everyone and welcome to another episode of the Think India podcast. This is a show for aspiring entrepreneurs, startup founders and business enthusiasts to discover the latest innovations in technology and to specifically learn more about why they view India as an important growth market. My name is Piyush Puri and I lead the international wing of the strategic investments of multimedia conglomerate Times Group called Brand Capital International. I'm very excited to introduce our guest today, Kurt Marvis. Kurt is the founder and CEO of QU Media, which he founded in 2013, along with Scott Elric, Leg Garland, and Scott Patterson. However, the list of Kurt's professional and entrepreneurial achievements over a career spanning more than 30 years is long, so don't hold your breath as I walk through some of his more prominent contributions to the space of entertainment and media. Prior to his role at QU, Kurt was the president of digital media at Lionsgate, where he oversaw its digital business portfolio. Before joining Lionsgate, he was co-founder and CEO of Cinema Now, a company focused on digital distribution of movies and television programming online, founded in 1999, long before the explosion we are witnessing in the OTT space. And prior to that, he served as president of publicly held game developer Seventh Level, where he led a restructuring into delivery of web-based technology applications. And lastly, he began his career as an entrepreneur, founding and leading the company, a leading creator of music videos and live concert productions for MTV and others. Welcome to the podcast, Kurt, and thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Piyush. I'm excited to be on. Thank you. So, Kurt, you have one of the most interesting backgrounds that I've come across, and I think your story is one of great interest to a lot of entrepreneurs. To begin with, can you share in greater detail about your background up until the moment you decided to found QU? Sure. When I was listening to the introduction, I am a, an active entrepreneur. I have always been and I continue to be and I probably will be till the very end. And I always love doing new things. I've always been a person who enjoys challenge. And so when I when I kind of look at my career, I actually started my career doing documentary and wildlife films even before the MTV years. And that was at the advent of cable and satellite television. So that's sort of the explosion of that in 19, you know, late 70s, early 80s. Right. And at that time, I remember when, you know, ESPN started and people said, who's going to watch sports all day long? When CNN was sort of beginning to gain traction and people were saying, well, is it going to work? Who will watch news all day long? And there were, you know, a lot of naysayers about the things. One of the first series that I did was for the Disney Channel when it first launched. And when the Disney Channel launched, it was a subscription service. Now it's, I'm not talking about Disney Plus decades later, but when the Disney Channel TV channel launched, it was a subscription service. And the reason it was a subscription service was because they couldn't figure out how they would gain any ad revenue when kids were in school from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. And then they were asleep from you know 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. What were they going to do? And that's why they created as a subscription service. Point of all of that is it was an exciting and amazing time, which ultimately led me as a producer into doing music videos and at the advent of MTV, when it was starting to really take off. And MTV became what I would call the voice of a generation. Anybody who was a teenage kid in the 80s, in early 90s when MTV played music videos all day long, which they don't anymore, that was, it was part of the cultural sort of ethos of what being a teenager, certainly in the United States and ultimately globally was all about. So I always enjoyed being part of these things that were defining new territories, new ideas, 
what happened in the middle of that time period was the home video industry started. And everybody thought the home video industry was going to destroy movie theaters. And there are many articles from back in the early 80s when the home entertainment business began of VHS tapes and then Betamax that they were going to destroy the movie industry, which of course the movie industry is still here. Uh, so that was an interesting run through through home video. A Motley Crue compilation video that I did was actually the first home video ever distributed by Warner Brothers when I started to get into the home video business. The wildlife series that I did for the Disney Channel was one of the first home video releases ever done by Buena Vista Home Entertainment their home video division. So I really enjoy and have always enjoyed being in the in the middle of sort of these new emerging things. I ultimately, when I got out of the video business, became involved in the CD-ROM business. It's always kind of funny to me that people forget about the CD-ROM business. It was a huge and very, very uh, expected to be a massive business when it first came out, when computers all shipped with CD-ROM drives. And, and there were all these new companies that were sprouting up. Seventh Level, where I was president, was one of them that was creating at that time, both entertainment and what were called edutainment CD-ROM titles. And people thought CD-ROM was going to be the next form of home entertainment that would dominate. And then this thing called the internet came along. And the internet kind of swept away the CD-ROM and the ability to deliver content directly over this new platform. There were a lot of very early broadband companies that used what was called DSL by back then that came and went. There were many search engine companies that came and went. There were all sorts of companies that came and went in the internet. And when it all crashed in the early 2000s, after the kind of 97 to 2000 boom years, there were even articles being published that said the internet was just a fad and that it was going to go away. So I've lived through these things over and over again and it's what I really enjoy. I actually enjoy not only coming up with new ideas for new emerging vehicles and, and, and primarily entertainment, but also tech capabilities, but it's just an exciting, exciting thing to be in the middle of creating new things. And that's what drives me. That's what keeps me going every day right now with Q and Q India. And, and that's kind of the through line of my career is even though I've done a lot of different things, they were always part of major new platform concepts that were emerging in the marketplace. What a long and illustrious career, Kurt. And you know, your point about always being excited about new and emerging things allows us a perfect segue into QU now. While I was browsing, I was doing my research for, for this podcast, I read somewhere that you said QU helps top brands engage the 13 to 30-year-old audience in North America and India through content powered by the world's top creators, artists, and influencers. And this provides advertisers the most effective access to a digital-first demographic. And, and this is incredible to me, and I'll tell you why. I'm going to quote some industry statistics from 2020. According to Wiseowl, 84% of people say that they've been convinced to buy a product or a service by watching a brand's video. According to Social Media Week, viewers claim they retain 95% of a message when obtained via video and according to Animoto recently, they said that 93% of brands got a new customer because of a video on social media. As I see it, you spotted an opportunity really early on before it became a statistic and found a way to reach out to 650 million viewers with that opportunity in mind. So Kurt, can you walk us through the discovery process and the subsequent journey once you realize the immensity of that opportunity? 
There were a couple of things. In 2006, when YouTube started, I think it was 2007 when Google bought them, I was in the sort of latter part of my business, Cinema Now, which was stream, which was, which was streaming movies and TV shows over the internet. And I'll be honest, at that time, I kind of went, ah, did I miss it? Did I, did I pick the wrong thing? Is it all about right. form uh, video and UGC? It's part of why I, it's part of why I actually left and shut down cinema now as I got disillusioned with maybe this was never going to happen. If I'd waited another two or three years, I probably wouldn't be on this conversation right now. I'd be in my island that I owned in Tahiti because we kind of missed the mark a little bit on the timing of that. We were way too early with cinema now is what it boiled down to. What I was fascinated with was what was happening around short form video content. Short form video content had actually been very hot in the early internet boom years, 98, 99. There were a lot of companies, one was called Atom Films, there's another one called iFilm. These companies were receiving very, very large amounts of venture investment and they all kind of flamed out. And uh, they were they were too early, but YouTube really started to establish this thing that I found you know to be very fascinating, and you know their their original tagline was broadcast yourself, and I said God that's really this is really really interesting and cool. Now that was also happening at the same time as the smartphone and and smartphones with camera and video were starting to explode. And so a very long story made short is I became really fascinated with what was happening around this whole world of short form video content creation. And I was fascinated by it because of the ubiquity of it. I was fascinated by it because of the opportunities that it offered talent that didn't require you having a big movie crew or millions of dollars to do something. And it it was both, again, in front of the camera and behind the camera that I started to really pay attention to what was going on. And I actually, while I was at Lionsgate as president of Lionsgate, I created a short form, was an exec producer that really made a show happen called Trailer Trash, which was a animated series of short form videos that was kind of like South Park. That was either the first or the second or third original show ever commissioned by Hulu. Hulu wasn't doing original content yet. I convinced them to do this original show on Hulu. Probably still buried on there somewhere. And I also did a series with a very big YouTube channel or set of YouTube channels at that time called Machinima, where I did a co-production with Lionsgate and them to create a short form series, sort of a zombie type thing. And so I was really interested in all that. And ultimately, I finally made the decision that I was going to, this is what I wanted to, I wanted to be in that world somehow, some way. That was kind of when the whole idea behind QU was formed. And it went all the way back to my lineage with MTV, where MTV was, as I had said earlier, kind of the voice of a generation. It kind of reflected the culture of youth at that time. And I was looking at what was happening. This this is in 2013. This is before really Instagram or Snap or certainly TikTok or most of these platforms. You you know, Facebook would have still been a basically a text and image-based platform. YouTube was really still the 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 video platform. And there was so much content that was being created 
the idea behind the QU business was, and I, I don't even know if I told you this, Piyush, but the name came from the idea that we would queue up the best YouTube videos for you. So it was right. queue up YouTube videos. That's where it came from. And it was like a radio station plays the best rock records if you listen to a rock station, the best jazz records if you listen to a jazz station or whatever. We weren't at that time trying to be, you know, Spotify or we were trying to be YouTube. The last thing we wanted to do was out YouTube, YouTube. YouTube, we knew was an amazing business and doing extraordinarily well. And there was, it was a fool's errand to take on YouTube. But what we did believe is that YouTube didn't do a great job of curating and giving you new things and introducing things and putting the best stuff in one place, et cetera, et cetera. And so we believe that there was a real opportunity. We still believe there's a real opportunity around that. And we believe there was an opportunity around that for the customers, the viewers, if you will. We believe there was an opportunity around that for the creators, for the filmmakers. And we believe there was an opportunity around that for the brands and advertisers that wanted to reach specific audiences. So that's how it all kind of formed. We went through a lot of wrong directions and turns along the way, and it took us a very long time to sort of figure out a way to make it really work. India wasn't even in the part of the plan, even remotely at the beginning. But yeah, that's how it came about. It came about with a fascination of short form video content and the people in front of and behind the camera that were part of that world. What an amazing story, Kurt. All great companies always have, you know, a lot of pivots and iterations built into their DNA, but it's incredible that the journey that QU and, and the team at QU has been through. So from being wanting to be in this world somehow, in some way, like you said it, you know, in just a few short years, QU Media has made inroads into the Indian market to become a go-to destination for digital-first content for both TV audiences. And you've forged several relationships with some of the major TV providers in this process. So can you talk a little bit about your journey that led you to put your brand in front of 650 million young Indians and why India and why now as a company with its roots in LA and Toronto, how did India become the center of attention for the company? Well, we were really struggling. My expression that I use is that I said we went, you know, 20 miles wide and two inches deep in the way we were running our business. At one point we had the channel running in 35 countries. Well, that sounds great, but the problem is, is that we did not have the financial wherewithal or the infrastructure to support 35 countries where we thought, originally we thought, okay, this is a global phenomenon and kids in India are gonna be interested in, in, in US artists and videos and kids in Mexico will want Indian videos, et cetera. That was really a very, very critical flaw in our thinking. The platforms are global, but if you go on Instagram in India, it's Indian people that are on Instagram in India, not people from all over the world. And, and you know, if you go into TikTok in the US, it's, it's primarily US TikTokers. Yeah, there might be a few people. So we didn't, we underestimated the localized demand of what it would take to curate and put together the best of what was happening in social video, it had to be local. So I went to India actually as a speaker at an event there called Ficky Frames. It was in 2000 and 
16. It was five years ago. I, I've traveled all over the world in my life. I've literally been, I think, on you know every major continent and from my wildlife days, my music video days, my media days. I've been all over the world, but I had never set foot in India. I'd actually at Lionsgate done a number of projects with the media entity that Reliance owns, but I'd never been to India. And so I went, that was my first trip there. And I was just stunned when I got there. I was stunned by the entrepreneurial energy that was surrounding all these different people I was meeting with and speaking with. I was stunned by the depth of the content creators and how many content creators there were. And it shouldn't have come as a surprise given the lineage of Bollywood, but I was just like amazed with how many young people were wanting to get into the world of social media and social video. I was also actually surprised. I don't know why I didn't know this. I should have known this, that business was conducted in English. And that whereas I had done some work in, in business in China, where it was always extremely difficult to navigate and you always had to have translators, and you never knew what was really going on. I was kind of surprised. I didn't really realize that all this business would be conducted in sort of the media side of the business in particular and the tech side of the business around in English. And so the combination of all those things, and then obviously the sheer magnitude of what was happening in the country. At the time I went, the keynote speaker for the event was Mukesh Ambani. And he had the ministers of you know three different divisions of government with him there, and he was announcing the launch of GEO. And I listened to it, and I sat there, and I said, if this guy does half of what he's saying they're going to do, this will be one of the largest, if not the largest opportunities for what we're trying to do on the planet Earth. And that was, I came back, I, I had a board meeting and I said, we should forget about what we're doing in 35 countries and we should focus all of our efforts on one and it's called India. And I believed that in my heart and soul when I returned from that trip. And I believe it more than I ever have as we talk about it at this minute. You know, I'm just like the opportunity of India as I believe the next two decades, India will see the impact and prominence that will come from it in a, I guess I'll call it similar way to how China has exported so many huge things that have impacted the world of media and technology in the previous two decades. That's what I think will happen. Amazing bet on India that totally worked out. I mean, talk about your conviction after you happened to visit to India. Kurt, it would be great for our listeners to also find out more about your strategy for the Indian market after you decided on taking on as, as the Indian market as your primary market. How easy or difficult was it for you to strike partnerships, for example, with India's premier content platforms such as MX Player, Tata Sky, Z, Airtel, GeoTV, you know, to name a few. And then how did you go about building a team in India? What was your content strategy? I know th those are a lot of questions all thrown yeah. together, but what was your larger India strategy once you decided that India is your market that you're going to focus on? Well, the, the first thing was, is I will credit myself with being smart enough to realize that I couldn't make what I wanted, what I believed we could make happen in India from Los Angeles. And that that was an impossibility and that we had to have boots in the ground. And I essentially had to have a partner there. And I met someone by the name of Sunder Aaron, 
who was born in India, primarily raised in the U.S., and then had gone back to India and has now been there, gosh, it probably is pushing 20 years now. And Sunder had been in the media business. He was an entrepreneur, and he'd spent 10 years at Sony, largely running their English language channels in India when they were all sort of growing massively. And when Sony as a, as a media company in India was growing massively. And we met when I was over there for the Ficky Frames conference. And he loved the concept that we had for the queue of, of, again, curating, packaging, putting together the best of all of this massive amount of content that was coming out of the world of social video. And I also met a gentleman by the name of Mukut Deepak, who is the chief strategy officer. I think his title's changed since then at Tata Sky. And he loved what I was talking about. Well, those two things took a full year to sort of put together, to, to get Sunder on board as a partner and to get Tata Sky genuinely interested in launching the channel. Now, at that time, we didn't have an Indian channel, and it was an English language channel, and it was largely what we'd been running internationally unsuccessfully, and we knew that we had to get India content. So it's a very long story, but we basically crafted a sort of three-part strategy. The first thing we had to do is we had to create relationships with Indian content creators in the world of social video. So meaning people that were primarily at that point publishing on YouTube and had channels on YouTube and that sort of thing, although it's also drifted more and more into platforms like Instagram and some of the sort of TikTok style platforms as well that are in India now. But at that time, it was primarily YouTube. You know, people may not realize, I still find the statistic to be incredible, that 10% of all YouTube viewership in the world comes from India, which is amazing. People also may or may not realize that Facebook's largest territory in terms of number of users is India. Instagram's second largest territory in the world after the United States is India, and it will be the largest territory in terms of users probably within the next six months. So India, you know, to say India is a hotbed of social video, social consumption, obviously we all know about the power of WhatsApp there and other platforms, et cetera, that it was ripe for reaching out to content creators because at the end of the day, our product does not exist unless we have great content. It has, content is the, is the key. So we knew we had to license and curate great content. That was the start. Once we had that product, we then had to seek distribution. And I went back to Mukut and said, okay, now we've got a product that's passable. Let's call it an MVP type product. Can we launch this on Tata Sky? And I knew that Tata Sky, because they're such a kind of a gold standard bearer in the TV business in India, that that would carry us a long ways if I could walk in then to other distribution platforms and say, well, we're on Tata Sky. Now, a lot of people listening might say, Tata Sky, they're TV. What are you talking about? I thought you were about social video. You know, another fact that people may or may not be aware of is television is still a growth industry in India. And particularly in tier two, tier three in rural India, television is still a vital part of the day-to-day, you know, sort of consumption platforms, and including among our younger audience that we're going for. And so... We found that to be a, 
we always kind of found, kind of called it our Trojan horse strategy. The TV is where we were going to start. We know that three years, five years, seven years, 10 years from now, TV will diminish in importance. And obviously all the digital platforms will increase in importance, but we always saw TV as a great entry point. The other reason we found TV to be compelling is because most of these digital creators, if not virtually all of them, can't get their content on TV. So if you're a digital content creator and you've got a YouTube channel, wouldn't you like to tell your fans that you have your show available on Top to Sky channel, whatever, at eight o'clock on Tuesdays and Thursday nights? It's kind of a badge of honor to be able to say that. And so we've leveraged that a lot along the way. It continues to be a big part of why creators want to be aligned with the queue because we know that we're a pathway or gateway for them to get onto television. And that also has helped us get more distribution and ultimately better content, more distribution has led to more viewership, which has led to more advertising revenue. So none of this happened. There was no one silver bullet. It was a process. We stuck to it. I will say that most of it took about two or three times longer than we ever thought it would or should, but that's pretty much par for the course as well. An incredible journey, Kurt. Kudos to the team at QU as well as at Q India. And with your recent partnership with the Times Group in India, Kurt, what do you think is in store for both Q India as well as for its consumers in India? You know, we want to know what it is that regarding QU's future that keeps you excited and up at night. Well, I use baseball, American baseball vernacular. Perhaps I should switch to getting a better understanding of cricket so I can start. <laughs> but we're in the very early innings. We're in the formative years. As I said a minute ago, I look at India being just an unbelievably significant and compelling growth marketplace. I'll make the strong argument it's number one in the world for the next two decades. Why is that? Well, nearly 50% of the population of India is 25 years of age or younger. That's a staggering statistic to me. You're talking about six to 700 million people that are 25 years of age or younger. Those people are becoming more educated. They're becoming digital natives. They're becoming part of the world of social video and social communication. They're creators and consumers. And this is why I, I said earlier, I'm more excited about the opportunity in India than I've ever been. It's bigger than I ever imagined it being. And there's, there's just so much opportunity there. I think there's a, a decade ago or two decades ago, I think a lot of young Indians that were becoming educated would want to leave India to go to the promised land of the United States or Europe or the UK or wherever to sort of make their mark. I think if you really took a close look, you'd find out that a lot of those people are no longer leaving India. They're staying put in India and they are they're, they're, they're leveraging their entrepreneurial powers in their homeland. And they see that there's just so much opportunity that exists there. So as an outsider, as a non-Indian, I am honored, I guess would be the appropriate word, to be able to be part of building something that is, I hope, ultimately a household word and, and well-known. Where brand capital comes in is that we're not just building a channel, we're building a media platform and a media network and a next generation media platform and network. You know, the, the, the big boys, Viacom, Sony, Z and, and Star, 
uh, they're all there now. I, I look at us in five to 10 years being right alongside those companies in terms of the depth and breadth of our content offering and maybe past them, who knows, in terms of our ability to attract and, and, and speak to the young India demographic. Well, part of that is building a brand. And so aptly named brand capital, and obviously with the power of a nearly 200-year-old parent in, in the Times Group, what better partnership could we have to help us build our brand equity and our brand awareness? So as you know, Piyush, we've just started on that journey together, but it didn't come a minute too soon. This journey has just begun for me as long as, as, as much as, you know, it was now five years ago when I first set foot in India, I look at everything that's happened to date as just being warming up for what we're really going to do there. Absolutely good. And we at Brand Capital and the Times Group also echo the same sentiment. We are very excited. And this is just the beginning of the journey. There's there's a lot in store, both for QU as well as for our partnership in India. Good. Unfortunately, we're running short of on time. Uh, but I just have a couple of more questions for you. If you're able to speak to entrepreneurs, what is that one piece of advice you would like to give them? And more specifically for companies who are looking to expand into a growth market like India, anything you can share from your vast experience would be invaluable. Have passion for what you're doing and never give up. <laughs> There's no other way to do it in my career or history. If you're not passionate about what your idea is, you don't believe in it, you know, it's, it's, there's a famous film director who directed Apocalypse Now and the Godfather movies named Francis Coppola. Years ago, I went to the UCLA Film School and that's where he attended and he was a speaker there one day. And the kid held up his hand and he said, Mr. Coppola, how badly did you want to be able to be a film director when you were here at UCLA? And he paused for a second and he said, only as badly as I wanted to be able to breathe. Wow. <laughs> and I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that. You got to be able to want to do this, something like this, if you're an entrepreneur, only as badly as you want to be able to continue to breathe. And then you might have a shot at being successful at it. It's perseverance, it's passion, and ultimately it's what we were talking about earlier of the 20 miles wide, two inches deep, as opposed to two inches wide, 20 miles deep. It's focus. It's staying focused and believing in, in what you can do. Absolutely. So put your heart and soul into it. You know, there's no alternative for hard work, basically. And lastly, if our listeners want to learn more about QU Media and Q India, and you know, what, what all of the great folks at QU are up to, where should they go? Well, you can go to qiouqumedia.com, which is our site that is more of our global site for the, the company overall, because we also have a U.S. influencer marketing business. There's also corporate information and press releases there, et cetera, et cetera. And then for the India business specifically, although you're reminding me now that I need to talk to the team and make sure we update it. It needs an update right now. You can go to the letter Q. TV. In India, we just, as a, as a company, we just refer to ourselves as The Q. We couldn't do that here in the U.S. for trademark reasons, but we have that trademark in India. So in India, we're just known as The Q, just the and the letter Q, not the U. So the Q.TV is our URL for our India website. Great. Well, thank you, Kurt. It was great having you on the show today, and, and thank you for your time. I think both us as well as all of our listeners learned an incredible lot uh, from what all you've achieved in your in your career. Thank you so much. Okay, well, thanks. You're too kind, but thank you, Piyush, and I look forward to talking to you soon.
Thank you. And we'd also like to thank our audience for tuning in for another episode of Think India podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, I'd encourage you to register for our free virtual summit, Think India 2021, which will be held on October 14, 2021. We'll have some great speakers, panelists, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders join us to discuss the immense business opportunity in India and the best way to get there. And of course, if you'd like to hear other episodes of this podcast or learn more about anything we have discussed today, please head to thinkindia.io slash podcast. We'll see you again soon and have a good one. Thank you.